Good morning, everyone. If you would turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians, we will continue uh, with our lessons there in 1 Corinthians. We're looking at chapter 6, and we were studying from chapter 6. And to this point, um, Paul has given a lot of warnings to the Corinthians. Um, a lot of warnings that are very much like the kinds of warnings that we should take heed of in our day and age. Very similar. He's telling them that they are divided, in spite of the fact that they are greatly blessed. Um, as Jared mentioned in class this morning, and we looked over in Corinthians, he tells them, you're rich, you know, you're blessed, you're like kings. And Corinth, they were, they were living like kings. It would be very much like living in our modern society today. Uh, there are businesses and, and commerce and all kinds of things there. A very uh, high standard of living for the time. And they were greatly blessed, but they were not not appreciating that. And not certainly not using that in the way that they should. Uh, to serve God and to serve one another, glorifying God. And so we've already studied and looked together... Um, about this focus that he has. Now that he's telling them they're divided, he's telling them all kinds of things very specifically about that division and what is feeding that division. And one of those things is the fact that they're very litigious. They are very very inclined to go to court with one another, to settle disputes that they should be able to settle themselves. And I, and I said last time, we sometimes... Uh, water that down. I mean, Christians should be able to be Christians with one another at all times and in all circumstances and act like Christians toward one another at all times and all circumstances without exception. But in our minds, we make up some exceptions. And certainly there are times when you won't have one Christian acting like a Christian towards another. And that is something completely different as far as I can tell. But when there are two Christians willing to work together and act towards each other as God has instructed them to act, nothing else should get in the way. And now, Paul is going to turn his attention to principles for marriage. However, before he points out what, what marriage truly is and, and his commandments and his advice and his understanding for the marital bond, first he's going to talk about sex. Now that makes everybody uncomfortable, I think. You know, in our day and age, uh, we look at the, the topic of sex and we think about it and we think, ooh, you know, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to talk about that. You know, do I, do I really need to talk to my kids about that? I mean, I don't like talking to my kids. I did not like talking to my kids about that at all. They understand from the very youngest days that I used engine metaphors. You know, because I, I liked working on automobile engines, and I would use engine metaphors, and they would laugh at me. It was the only thing that I could do. <laughs> I was so embarrassed to talk about it. Uh, nowadays, 20 years after the fact, they look at me and go, Dad, would you just stop? You know, I, I get it. You know, I understand it. Go back to the engine metaphors, you know. 
it, it's uh, the, you know no and the, now I understand you know the, the, this has to be something that we talk about this has to be something that we make sure that we understand individually and that everybody else understands individually and that's exactly what Paul is doing here and look in 1 Corinthians 6 with me and verses 12 through 14 Look at what he says concerning this. He says, All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be enslaved by anything. Now, in your in your particular version of the Bible, you might see all things are lawful for me there is in quotes. Okay, and that's because, you know, Paul's not quoting the Bible. by any, He's quoting the time. He's quoting... What was something that they said, that they believed? It would be today like someone writing a letter to somebody and saying, well, you know, it is what it is. You know, and you just say, I always ask people, what does that mean? It is what it is. You know, that, that's, uh, to me, that's such a cop-out saying, but we say it all the time, don't we? Well, Joe, it is what it is. And no, no, it's not. No, that's not good enough. And so in this kind of light, this is what Paul is saying. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be enslaved by anything. Food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food. There's another quote, right? Same thing. And God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. And God raised up the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. Paul says, let's talk about sex. That's what he says. Let's not run away from that. Let's talk about it. Let's know about it. Let's not allow it to be taboo. Let's not allow ourselves to be shy about it. Let's face it forward his boldness here is just alien to us this is stuff you should be talking about in private you know shouldn't you paul paul says no (laughs) let's openly talk about this this is terribly important and why wouldn't it be why wouldn't paul place this Right at the forefront of everything. Why would this not always be important? It's a very simple thing. You can check history. You can look at, look at the news every day. You can read the magazines of the time. You can, you can look on the internet. You can check all this out. And you see this over and over and over again. As sexual relationships go, so do the very foundations of society. We like to hide that. We like to say that's a taboo subject. We like to say, you know, that's not a part of regular conversation, you know. You don't need to do that. But yet, it underpins the very, underpins, sorry, the very foundation of society. And that's what Paul's pointing out here. And so he's going to face the arguments that they're making. All things are lawful for me. Food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food. He's going to face those sayings and what they mean among the Corinthians head on. 
And he's going to tell them what the truth is. And we should do the same thing as well. It's high time for us to be open and honest about the epidemic of sexual sin that plagues our times just like it plagued theirs in the exact same ways it plagued theirs. Paul says, all things are lawful. You know, it's my body, right? That's what people say, right? It's my body. What I decide to do with it, or what I don't decide to do with it, that's my business. It's nobody's business. That and you know what about God? God wants me to be happy. And so I have all this freedom. It's my body. I can do what I want with it. That's what we hear today. These, these things, all things are lawful for me. That, that's not anything new. And, and we should be actually floored for just a moment that Paul actually agrees all things are lawful. Now, some say he's saying it sarcastically. I don't think he's saying it sarcastically. I just think he's saying, he's putting it in the forefront so that they understand this is what you believe and this is why you believe it. And it is not true. The fact is there are many things <coughs> that are not contrary to law. <coughs> or at least that wouldn't cause me to be imprisoned. If I cheated on my wife, would I be imprisoned? No. Should I be imprisoned? Well, probably you would agree, maybe so. But it's not, it's not, it's not against the law. That's lawful for me to do. Is it helpful? Wouldn't help her any. You know, it doesn't help me either. Wouldn't help the kids to know their dad is a lech. Right? It just doesn't, it doesn't help. Wouldn't help my friends, my loved ones, certainly wouldn't help my brethren. You know, it certainly doesn't help anything around me. See, that's the idea Paul is saying. You know, it may be okay for you to do it, but but it, it's not helpful. It's sinfulness, and it's about more than you. And so he, he agrees with that. Sure, all things are lawful, but then he comes right back and shuts it down that there's no helpfulness to it. Isn't that just such a simple conclusion? Well, I can go out right now and get me a 12-pack of beer and chug it down and be drunk as a skunk. Is it Super Bowl Sunday? Is it? I forget. Next. Okay. Well, whenever that happens, whoever's playing, I don't care. But anyway, <laughs> but anyway, whoever's playing and they're playing in the Super Bowl, do you know how many people are going to be flat down drunk at the end of that? Are they all going to go to jail? No. Is it helpful? No. Such a simple conclusion. Such a simple conclusion, isn't it? And just and just notice how that works. And then Paul says, but it's something that is so simple. However, you and I really need to focus on it because it is something that can dominate your life. And you say, oh, what's the big deal? It's Super Bowl Sunday, it only comes around once a year. I can get drunk as a skunk, fall down on my face. Who does it hurt? Everybody, Paul says. <laughs> It hurts you, everybody around you. doesn't hurt the beer companies. Well, it does, but not that they're going to know anything about it. Can you imagine being that CEO of Budweiser standing before God? I wouldn't want to be him. Okay, this is very simple. I wouldn't want to be him on the judgment day. No, no, no. No, no, no. 
No, that would not be good. And we look at that and we, and we see that and we know that because there are things that can dominate us. And that's what sexual pleasure can do. Or even just the potential of sexual pleasure. It can dominate your mind. It can dominate your heart. It can dominate your very life. Because all things are not inherently sinful. But the Bible teaches us, don't use your freedom as a cloak of maliciousness, Paul says, right? Sure, you can do whatever you want. Like Frank says, you can do whatever you're big enough, old enough to do, right? You can do whatever it is within your power to do. But but you have to understand that that can turn out to dominate you and enslave you. It's happened to me every time. I've been a preacher only 20 or so short years. (laughs) They're very short. They go by very fast. And they're like a hammer flying through the air hitting you in the face sometimes. But every failed marriage I have seen, you show me a failing marriage and I will show you a prominent level. If you dig deep enough, if you can find out. There's an addiction to sexual pleasure. Be it pornographic, be it potential in other places, whatever it is, it's there and it's enslaving one of the spouses or it's enslaving both. And that's exactly what Paul has to address here. You know, you you go to the store and you see the smutty magazines. Well, they put up a black film over the covers now because we're a lot less, we're a lot more pretentious, I guess, than we were before. Come on. They're right there. All you have to do is say, give me one of those, I pay my money and I feed my addiction. They have strip clubs you can go to. They have prostitutes you can pay for. You can get on social media and do all of these things. That internet's just incredible. It's just filled with this, isn't it? Even the very marriage you may be in falls prey to it. Because there are alternative measures that you feel need to be included in your marriage so as to restore some former desire or loss. I knew of a preacher years ago whose wife shot him in the chest with a shotgun, killing him because she was basically his sexual toy instead of his wife. People came to his defense right away. Well, you know, I knew him. Uh, uh, Maybe she was imbalanced. Maybe she was this. Maybe Maybe he was a scumbag too. Maybe he was a sexual miscreant. And maybe we're moving in that same direction if we're not careful. And maybe we're entertaining the same kind of smut if we're not careful. Don't go defending somebody like that. Because that just shows the mindset all things are lawful. I've had brethren tell me, well, you know, Joe, that Bible says that marital bed is undefiled. What? <sighs> Don't you dare speak the Bible to me in your twisted terms. 
That doesn't mean you can do whatever you want with your wife or your husband just because you have some twisted sexual fantasy in your head that you want to fulfill because of some smut you saw in a magazine or on the internet or thought or somebody talked about or you read it. Get out. No. No. Not okay. And it's happening again and again and again. We think that's that's what we, we deserve. All things are lawful. That's what we deserve. I deserve this. You know, you could be that spouse going, honey, you know. Could you imagine? You know, Deanna, you don't look quite the way you did 20 years ago. You know what she'd look at me and say? Neither do you, chubby. Yeah. You know? <laughs> you know? <laughs> she'd probably look at me and tell me, pop out four kids, let's see how you do with it. You know? What am I focused on when I say such stupid things, right? What am I focused on when I make such terrible conclusions? Is that why I fell in love with her? Is that why I married her? What a skunk I am, if that's the case. No, it isn't. No, it's not. But when we allow ourselves to think that way, when we allow ourselves to say or believe or think such things are important or true. Mm. See, we can, we can be dominated. We can be enslaved by that. And Paul says, that's not the body's meaning at all. Look at their justification. Food is meant for the stomach, and the stomach for food. I had one sister in Christ tell me, she goes... I don't care where my my husband finds his appetite as long as he comes home to eat. And I thought to myself, you poor, poor thing. You wouldn't believe that in a minute. And you're just saying that because, <laughs> because your counterpart expects you to. What a sad, sad relationship. You know, that is not okay. That is not okay in anywhere, any way, any place, any form. And can you see how they say that? Food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food. When I'm hungry, I eat. And when I get that sexual desire running through me, I... What? Do smutty things. It's the same thing as eating when you're hungry. Paul says, no, it's not. That's the lie. That is not the truth. Paul references a general attitude towards food. That's really romantic, isn't it? My, inti- my, my physical sexual intimacy with my spouse is kind of like a good ham sandwich. You know? That's just, isn't that wonderful? You know, just just the proclamations we can make. Just the equivocations we can make. The things that we make equal so easily. Boy, that's a great ham sandwich. It reminds me of my spouse. What? Nobody would make that connection that had a right mind. And Paul is saying in Corinth, they are making that exact 
equivocation. For all the Corinthians, desires were just the same. Imagine if that were always true. You could condone fascism, bigotry, racism, violence. Any whim that you have in your body, in your mind, in your heart, you could just go ahead and justify it. Hey, stomach's for the food and the food for stomach. That's exactly what they do. They will justify anything. Like I told you at school when those kids wear that A with the round circle around it and they're all walking through the hall and I laugh at them. That's a sign for anarchy. Yeah, Mr. Wright, anarchy's cool. And I'm like, no, it's not because I could snap your neck right now and end you. What? Yeah. The only thing that keeps me from killing most of you students... Is the fact, <laughs> is the fact that there are laws and there are consequences for that. And then they look at you and they go, man, that's mean, Mr. Wright. Like, yeah, that's mean. That's the only thing that keeps me from killing some of you. Let me tell you. And that's the way it would, if, if life did not have all of that, we'd go crazy, wouldn't we? So Paul says, that's not the body's meaning to go crazy. Paul demands that our bodies are not our own. They belong to the Lord. They're for the Lord. And I have one brother that points out to me all the time, a brother in Christ, not one of my family members. I wouldn't listen to them. But anyway, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, but my brethren in Christ, okay? I have one brother in Christ that tells me, he goes, you know, you can figure this out for just about everything, but you haven't figured that out when you hit the refrigerator yet. And I was like, shut up, I don't want to hear that. Nobody wants to hear that, right? Nobody wants to see themselves, do they? You know, it's like, don't, don't worry, every time I hit the mirror, I can see that. You know, I understand that. Okay, we, we all, and we all have to understand, we're dealing with that, aren't we? On one way or another, we're dealing with our whims and our desires, be they sexual or something else, overcoming us because we're not paying attention to the fact that the body is supposed to be for the Lord. It belongs to the Lord. It's supposed to glorify Him. That's the body's meaning. The commandments, the instructions, the wisdom that we get. Uh, just turn real quick, just a little farther in your Bibles to First John. You know, I I try to stay out of First John. I know I repeat it so much, and I just love First John so much. First John, the fifth chapter. <clears throat> everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of Him. By this we know that we love the, that we love the children of God when we love God and obey His commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is our victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? This is how we do it. This is the body's meaning. We take commands, instructions, wisdom from the Lord, and we make it our own, and we glorify Him. Because His commandments aren't hurtful. They are for our good. They are in our best interest to do these things. 
And so we look at them, we read them, and we say, yeah, I I like that. I'm going to give that a try. I'm going to do that. I'm going to dedicate my life to that. And then look what happens. They liberate. They're not burdensome. We're not born that way or this way. It's a lie to say that. We are not naturally, inescapably evil. We are free moral agents. We decide. Just a generation ago, everybody was blaming their parents, right? Well, it's not my fault I'm like this. See, my parents, they were terrible parents. It's their fault. (laughs) It's not their fault. It's your fault, Spunky. It's your fault. Okay, it is not anybody else's fault but yours. You could have the worst parents in the world and you're still deciding just to be as bad. Okay, that's the exact same thing. No excuses. We are free moral agents. We decide. We decide. It's gotten worse in this generation. Nothing is only nobody's fault anymore. You know, no, 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 that's just no. No. Nothing is anybody Anybody's fault, it's everybody else. It is environment, it is society, it is education, it is the government, it is all of that. Everybody's fault but mine. Paul says, no, 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 it's you. It's you. So that we must see that our desires are for our good. My desires sexually Or for my wife. I'm supposed to focus them laser-like on her and her alone. Then when somebody walks by, I'm like, I got my wife. I hope you find somebody decent if you can, but I got my wife. And nobody takes her away from me, and I don't walk away from her for anybody. And that's the way it works. And that's what love is supposed to, that's what that desire is there for. God placed that desire there. He didn't place it so I could walk into the convenience store and buy smutty magazines, go on smutty websites, watch smutty shows. He didn't, he didn't do, he didn't do that. He didn't put that there so I could do that. Or so I could transform my rather boring marriage into something more exciting. Kids do that in class all the time, right? They'll read something and they'll read it and they'll go, man, Mr. Wright, this is so boring. And I go, no, buddy, you're boring. The text is wonderful. It's rich. It has, it has grammar. It has context. It has plot. And in one of the stories, there's this, there's this kid that's running through the rain and his brother falls behind and his brother has this physical ailment and he calls out to him, doodle! Right? There's this call, doodle! Like you would call across the house for your brother or sister. And then he doesn't answer back. He's laying dead on the ground and he doesn't know yet. So he runs over and he sees him laying dead on the ground and he goes, Doodle? And then says, there was no answer. And then the brother says, Doodle! That's his nickname for his little brother. When that kid was reading that, this is what he was reading. Doodle. There was no answer. Doodle. Doodle. That's why I tell the kid, the text isn't boring, you are. 
You've got to see it in your head. You've got to make the decision. We decide to read, not look. We decide to love, not lust. There's the difference. There's the focus. When I can't do that, the problem lies with me. Because God placed those desires inside of me so that I could find a person to share my life with and fulfill all those desires for love. And then He blessed me with one that would fulfill all my desires for faith, for motherhood, for friendship. I would know what to do if she wasn't there. (laughs) It's just the way that it is. Our bodies are not ours. They're meant to glorify God. Because our bodies are betrothed to the Lord. We don't always think about that. And look, it's exactly what Paul addresses here. Look in 1 Corinthians 6, 15-17. Look, look at what he says. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For it is written, the two will become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Please consider this spiritual truth that he says here. It's wrong to cheat on a spouse because you are to be one in flesh and purpose. But spiritually, your your soul wise, it is also wrong to cheat on the Lord to whom Christians are joined in baptism because that's what makes you a part of His church. That is your marriage ceremony. Why do people say, well, I don't have to be baptized to be saved? Uh, Excuse me. Read the Scriptures. Read Colossians. Colossians tells you that sin is the way, uh, baptism is the way sin is stripped away from your soul. It It is a spiritual surgery. A spiritual surgical procedure that excises sin from you so that you're not burdened with that anymore. It is also your bonding spiritually, betrothing yourself to Christ, becoming one with Him. Isn't it strange how multitudes of religions in our world cast that one idea aside other than all others? Or to, to and not most others. They'll just cast it aside. Have we ever asked ourselves why? Maybe it's because they would easily cast aside their own marriages. Maybe it's because they would easily cast aside their own love, their own faith, and their own righteousness. If something better comes along. What? 
Do you see that? This is what Paul is pointing out here. This is what he wants us to see. Sexual immorality destroys the bond between yourself and the Lord, even though it might not destroy the bond between you and your wife. I've had lots of Christians that say, you know, well, my spouse cheated on me, so I'm out. Oh, wait. (laughs) Okay. Are you not willing to forgive them? Are they not willing to repent? I don't even want to think about that. I don't care about that. No, no, wait. There's something greater to think about here. Can I be divorced or can't I? Well, technically, yes. (laughs) But love and compassion is the greater victory here. Now, no, I'm done. I'm out. Can you imagine? That, that's coldness on both sides. Now, granted, there's going to be a time, there are times when one spouse cheats on another and that other spouse is just, I'm done. I'm, you know, they can go. I'm, I'm finished. I don't like them anymore. There's nothing you can do about that. But there's a greater battle to be fought here. The adulterer does not have to be the factor that ends a marriage. But that does often ha- happen. The, the adulterer does have to repent, though. Even if they don't stay married, they have to repent to restore the spiritual bond to God. Whether that marriage can be saved or not. That's a hard thing to think about. It's a hard thing to know. It's a hard thing to read, isn't it? And those are... Just some of the implications of what Paul shows here. Being able to stay away from sexual fornication and and lustful, unlawful desire is to learn how to run. That's what it's all about. Look at verses 18 through 20. Look at what he says flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body. But the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you? Whom you have from God? You are not your own. For you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. We can run from fornication. Just like Joseph did. Remember Joseph? Potiphar's wife looking. You know, Joseph was good looking. That's what the Bible says. Joseph was handsome. He was somebody. Okay? He had control over the house of a prominent man. Chief servant, if you want to call him that. And he ran. <laughs> He's like, no, I'm out of here. We're going to talk about him a little bit more this evening. But, but he, he ran. He took off. We need to learn to run from this. We've got to run from fornication because it can ensnare us at work. It can ensnare us while we're on the computer and it can even snare us in here. It can. First thing an elder told me whenever I had my first week of preaching, he looks at me and he goes, don't you ever, ever, never, ever, never, ever, never, never, ever go into a house with a female alone. And I looked at him and I said, I'm married. I'm not going to do that. Ah! And he just looked at me and he said, Don't you ever, never, ever, never, ever, never do that. 
And I looked at him and I said, do you think I would do something like that? And he goes, everybody would do something like that. You are not just in a bubble here. Don't think of yourself too highly. When he started quoting scripture, that bothered me, that scared me. It's not good for a man to think too highly of himself. Take heed lest ye fall. I wouldn't do that. Sure you would. Don't think of yourself too highly. You bet you would. And that's the thing that we read here. If you're at work... Are you spending a lot of time? We spend a lot of time. I joke at the school, I might as well just have my mail forwarded here since I'm here all the time. <laughs> Teachers know about that, right? I get there at 6.30 in the morning and I get home about 6 in the evening. It's, I'm there all day, right? It isn't it easy to sit around and, and sit with your colleagues and they, hey, you look good today. And oh, I want to come. Oh, you know, you're so supportive and so nice. You're nothing like my husband at home. You're much better than my wife. Wouldn't it be just a short walk over there? Wouldn't it? Oh, your husband doesn't pay attention to you. Well, that's terrible. I mean, if you were mine, I would have been. Right? You think those conversations don't go on? You crazy. <laughs> they go on all the time. Social media. Hey, I'm on Facebook. Oh, look. That girl from high school that I never wanted to, I wanted to date really bad, but I mean, she's all, she wants to be my friend. Click. Conversation start. Oh, I wanted to date you too. Right? We were just too shy. That's what we say, right? That's what we make ourselves believe. No. And it happens. And then you realize, whoa, we had a lot of things in common. You like to hike? I like to hike. That's great. You like to clean the house? I love to clean the house. Boy, what a lie that would be. Now you know you're just talking, dude. You know, you know that, right? You do not. All of a sudden... You got Messenger, right? That's what I love about Facebook. There's Facebook. Now there's Messenger. I can talk to you directly and it's just between me and you and nobody else can see it. And it, don't you see? Don't we, don't we see what's going on there? It's just the digital equivalent. And in church, we think we got a false sense of security here. I mean, this, you know, oh, I'm secure. This, I'm a Christian. They're a Christian. Sure, we can have long talks. We can have long texts. We can, we can count on one another. I can go right over to her house. I can go right over to his house if they need me at that moment and I can be supportive. No, 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 no. No. We forget. <coughs> We forget the opposite sex plus privacy plus opportunity is exactly what leads to fornication in every single situation. Every single time. Because we're against ourselves. We are our worst enemies. <clears throat> Nothing could be more true than that. I'm my worst enemy, are you? <laughs> 
I think we would all say, you know, if we're honest, yeah, yeah. It's always too easy for me to get drunk. It's always too easy for me to hit that marijuana marijuana joint, you know. It's always it's always too quick for me to take those pills. It's really easy. It's really easy for me to do any of those things. Very easy. If we really admit to ourselves, things come to us pretty easy, and we are defeating our own purposes. And he says, therefore, fornication is an internal, spiritually damaging thing. You remember Proverbs? If you go back to the Proverbs with me. Look at those first, I mean those, it's only 23 verses. But look at those 23 verses of Proverbs 5. Just look at it. We don't have time to read it or anything, but just look over it. Go home today and read it. Isn't it amazing? Look at how beautiful it speaks. (coughs) Excuse me, look at verse 15. Drink water from your own cistern, flowing water from your own well. Should your springs be scattered abroad, streams of water in the streets? Let them be for yourself alone and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed <coughs> and rejoice in the wife of your root, your youth, a lovely deer, a graceful doe. Let her breasts fill you at all times with delight. Be intoxicated always in her love. Woo, don't read that, Joe. Uh-uh. He's getting a little specific there. You bet he is. And we need to get specific too. <laughs> he gets very specific. My kids always laugh at me when I talk about the Song of Solomon. You know, you want, you want me to teach you about love? Let me teach you about love. Her neck is like a giant brick tower. I guess that worked for women back then. I don't know. You know, your legs are like the flanks of my horse. You know, what? What are you talking about, Solomon? But apparently, now we need to update our compliments, guys. We need to do that, right? We need to bring our compliments into the 21st century. No longer tell her her eyes are like doe's eyes or something. You look like a sheep, honey. No, don't. Okay, no, no, don't want to do. We don't want to do that. Okay, but we do want to compliment. Right? We do want to compliment. Let me ask you guys, if you're married especially, or you want to be married, do you compliment your spouse? Day in and day out? I mean, are there compliments there? Or is it, hey, I've heard about this. I don't like this, or I don't like that. I sit there in the restaurant sometimes, and I see these two old people. Do you ever see them? They're sitting in the booth, across from each other, they're eating. And they eat, they sit there for like 40 minutes because the older you get, the slower you eat, I suppose. But they're about there 40 minutes, right? Eating, eating, eating. Not one word. They're just... What a life! And then I see, oh, every blue moon or so, I see a couple sitting in the same booth next to each other. Sharing a plate of food. And they may even be doing something gross like giving food to each other off of the plate. I mean, yeah. You're like, I wouldn't do that. Why not? My wife was in the hospital with twins in her hands and I go, I get to feed you today. And she goes, I don't want you to feed me. Take one of the babies. And I was like, "Uh uh-uh. No, no. I got you now. (laughs) You got two babies. You got no hands. Open your mouth. And she'd go. (laughs) 
She wasn't going to drop one of those babies, and I knew it. And I said, I got you now, woman. I'm going to feed you this food because I love to do it. She won't let me do it any other time. Should have had another set of twins. (laughs) Just joking. (laughs) Sorry. But anyway, this is the idea here. (laughs) And and look at Proverbs 5. Look at Proverbs 5 there. Is sin technically the worst sin that's out there? This sexual sin, is it technically the worst? You know, we can't say that, can we? We can't say that sin is technically the worst sin. That All sin is equal. We say that over and over again, right? So let me ask you a question. Why is the Old Testament and the New Testament ripe with teaching against sexual sin? I'm not going to argue with you that sexual sin is the same as any other sin. You're right. And I think we're right when we, when we make that conclusion. But why, oh why, is it there so often, so much? Well, it's not the worst sin. But brethren and friends, let's not fool ourselves. It deserves the most attention. Let's not fool ourselves. That's what the Bible teaches us. No, sexual sin is not the worst sin, but it certainly deserves the most attention. All sin can cost us our souls. But those who put this Bible together, inspired by the Holy Spirit, tell us, give special attention to these things, for this is what causes most to fail the most. That's the idea. And remember that you are the temple. Paul's not talking philosophy here. He's not not talking any kind of philosophy and we can't quite get it. He's being very practical here. He's referring back to the covenant relationship that he expressed in verses 13 through 16. God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by His power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? That's what he's saying. You are God's temple. We worship God. Even in our marriages. When that intimacy is holy and pure and spiritual. It is worship, glorifying God. Don't turn it into something nasty or some taboo. It's part of what we live, how we believe according to His design because we were washed, we were sealed, we were purchased with the blood of Christ. (coughs) Excuse me, still getting over whatever it was I had. But you and I need to remember we are not our own. We're not our own. So let's leave this place today and and wake up every day remembering. God has to be more valued and more satisfying than all the things we can do that are lawful. Because not all things lawful are helpful.
And let's never forget that. <clears throat> never forget that. Because we will forget too easily. Why? Because we're in a flood of sexual fornication. <laughs> Anytime we turn on the TV, the computer, walk into the store, whatever it is, you are flooded by it. There are posters, there, you know, there are messages, everything. For, don't forget. It is the easiest thing to do. It deserves the most attention. And now that we know that, we can more greatly appreciate what Paul's going to say about the most beloved covenant in the mind of God between husband and wife. Because it was first. It was before the church. It was before the law. It was in the garden. The first covenant that God made, blessed humanity with, was husband and wife. Let's not forget. If you have any need, run. (laughs) Run to glory. Run to the Lord in everything. If you are not baptized into Christ for the remission of your sins, run to the Lord. If you have been baptized into Christ for the remission of your sins, but you forgot to pay special attention to the things that you need to pay attention to, run to the Lord. Whatever need you have, let it be known while we stand, <clears throat> excuse me, and while we sing. <clears throat>